<sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Hey folks, it's Matt Zachary and welcome to Vax On, a weekly segment of my podcast out of patience right here on the Offscript Network. Hey, I'm Alora Nanos. I'm a lawyer, a journalist, a mom of a teenage narcoleptic, and a professional big mouth. Lou and I go back 30 years as best friends, and we're here to have fun and bring you a layperson's guide to what the hell just happened this week in healthcare as America gets its vax on and shows COVID the door. We're here together to learn, complain, and include you in the conversation. So join us on Twitter at VaxOnPod and share your stories and grievances using the hashtag VaxOn. All right, Matt, let's get at it. Hi, Laura. Hi, Matt. We're back. We're back. Do I sound rested? You sound qualified to be rested. (laughs) Rested, but with a qualification. No, I'm very rested. I had the longest vacation I've ever had without my children. Wait, since you've had children? Since I've had children. I, and, and before then as well, because um, before I had children, I didn't have any money to take like relaxing vacations. That wasn't a thing. I was in law school and then I was a prosecutor and I had no money. So um, not that I have a lot of money now, but I have enough money to go on like a regular person vacation. And we left our kids with their grandparents and went to Mexico for seven days. Did you ever wonder, like, how am I filling the time in seven days? Because you, you you always need constant stimulus. Were you prepared to just do nothing? Matt, I love that you know that about me. I really do. I have to tell you, everyone else in the world is like, wow, what a great vacation. And you're like, Alora, I know you. What the fuck are you going to do for seven days? <laughs> right. I love that. No, it was perfect because we went with 20 people. So Whoa. I know, right? It was it was to celebrate a friend's birthday. So she invited all these different couples. And it was perfect because half of the people that came with us are people I already know and love. The other half were new people who I then grew to know and love. So wow. it was like the ultimate extrovert vacation. <laughs> it's like Jersey Shore done right. It was great. And I have all these new friends from across the country who I just adore. And the food was great. The weather was mostly really great. And the hotel was great and the ocean was great. And it was all like pretty terrific. And now you're coming back down to earth and hate everyone again. Well, you know, let me just say this, though. In between the lovely, relaxing tropical vacation and regular New Jersey, freezing, freaking cold, damp November rain life, as if to soften the blow for me so that I didn't go directly from like the beach to New Jersey, It was a complete shit show at the airport and traveling home took like 12 hours. And this is, by the way, because of COVID. Sure. Of course, because like picture it, a zillion people are flying home. No one speaks Spanish. All of us have to fill out all these crazy COVID tests from our different resorts and all different kinds of like weird immigration paperwork and stuff. And like 
No one knows what it means. No one knows what the rules are. And everything is in flux. And, and basically, as you're walking through the airport, there's like all these signs everywhere that are like, download this app and then fill out this questionnaire. And it's impossible to keep track of what the fuck they're talking about. So the end result is like 4 million people trying to talk to the airline representatives to understand what the hell is going on. It was quite a mess. It harkens back to my PTSD of getting home from Turks and Caicos when we missed our flight and all the confabulous bullshit that is exactly what you're explaining. There is no one fixed system. Yes. It actually really surprised me that it was so confusing. Also, I will say this. You have to get COVID tested in order to get back into the U.S. So the resorts all provide the COVID test and, and my resort did it. And I had such a COVID panic attack while I was there. I have to tell you, you got to picture this. I'm at the resort. All of us are waiting to get our COVID test. And the people in front of me go in and get their test. They get swabbed. They walk out and they get the results. The whole thing is done in less than 45 seconds. What? (laughs) And I was like, there's no way this is real. (laughs) So, so then it was my turn and I saw it's like several people in out 45 seconds, negative test. And, and the, the people conducting the test would come out into this like lawn area and give the negative results at top volume, like saying like, John Smith, you're negative in front of all these people. Wow. And I was like, whoa, what is this? Elora so, Nanos, you have syphilis. It was like that. I was like, this is terrifying. So so as I was waiting for my turn, I was getting like more and more anxious because I kept thinking like, not that I thought I had COVID, but I was like, oh my God, what if I did? Like they right. were going to say it in front of all these people. So then we go in and, you know, they swab my nose and I come out and then our results are not back in 45 seconds. And now it's, you know, five minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes. And we're like, what's going on? And then the, 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 the paramedics are on their way, the helicopter yeah, flying in. I'm like trying not to completely like by the end of this, I was convinced I definitely had COVID. And, and I was like planning, like, how am I going to record this podcast from Mexico? And like, who's going to go home with my kids? And, and then like a congregation of the nurses and the secretaries like kind of stand together and I hear them say my name. And they're like looking very concerned and they seem very puzzled. And I'm like, oh my God, they're trying to figure out how to tell me. And um, it turns out they were trying to figure out how to replace the toner in the printer. Oh God. (laughs) That's hysterical. And by the end of this, I had gotten myself so worked up that my husband completely stopped speaking to me. So this is all because of tech support. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know what they were doing. I don't know why they couldn't figure out my name or what was going on. And then they were just like, here's your COVID test. My God. (laughs) So that's my update. Here I I am back COVID free. The best part of that is that it happened to you and no one else. That is the best part. (laughs) I really wish you could have just seen like my, my mental state devolve from like, do, 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 no problem. Quick COVID test. Like, look how fast it's going to like, oh my God, I'm definitely getting trapped here for two weeks. What the hell am I going to do? <laughs> you've been you've been Disney worlded from China. Exactly. Like it was last exactly. week. Yes. yes. Only with more tequila. Yes. <laughs> well, I mean, I think your COVID update uh, trumps mine, of course, because I just had my kids vaccinated and they're still fine and oh, they're fantastic. So and the world didn't end, and they're not communist. But you know who is communist? <laughs> Helena Rubinstein is communist. <laughs> Don't you dare. The Helena Rubinstein Foundation is not a No, Ted Cruz said they're communists. He hates on Big Bird. Let's so talk wait, about this. I have to tell you. So here I am. You know, there I was 
in Mexico and I didn't get any news alerts at all the whole week. Like I didn't, anything could have been happening in the US. I was on vacation. I didn't care. The only piece of news that reached me in Mexico the entire week was this bullshit with Big Bird and Ted Cruz. Yes. <laughs> like what is happening? He wants to run for president. He's trying to garner his idiot base to believe that he's a real person. I just can't even like, is this really the way? I mean, Ted Cruz was a smart guy, right? I mean, did he go to Princeton? He went to Princeton. I know people who went to college with him and they didn't like him back then either. Yeah, no, it seems that nobody liked him. No, he's an unlikable but, human being. Right. And, and he's almost the exact other end of the spectrum from Big Bird, which is not a human being, but everyone likes him. Yes. So, but he also yeah, acts I, the same age as Big Bird, which apparently is six. <laughs> I mean, and like how cute, like honestly, this message from Big Bird was so cute. Like he tweeted, I mean, I don't know what children are reading Twitter, but he did send out a message saying, I got vaccinated and my wing is a little sore. Right. Um, but like, I mean, it was so cute. And it said, like, you know, I've, I've been getting vaccines since I was a little bird. Like, so adorable. And, but, you know, and, and in all seriousness, having children's television characters, say things like this is highly meaningful. Um, you know, we can joke about it and stuff like that. But the truth is there are many children who are quite connected with television characters and draw a great deal of comfort and inspiration and support from people like, you know, Muppets and TV characters. And um, it's it's not a small thing for children to to feel supported and feel calmed by the television characters that they think of as their own family. So to belittle this and to call it propaganda is asinine, which is what Ted Cruz did. Also, yeah. why is he saying it's government propaganda? Like Big Bird doesn't work for the government. Well, isn't like PBS funded by the Children's Television Network, which is like government funded from the NEA or something? I guess, but it's also funded by the Helen Rubinstein Foundation. Yeah, communists! <laughs> Is that is it Helena Rubinstein a makeup company? No, maybe. I don't know. That's maybe. I think it was. No, but I don't know. But like, and I, I really love like President Biden was like responded was like, you go big bird. Yeah, like, I know. That's so great. It's so like, funny. So not, and I, just like, of course, like, like, why can't they just shut up sometimes? You know, like, why did the Ted Cruz of the world have to do this? Well, it, it spawned the best parts of the Internet because the reaction from Twitter and all these places were like, like, this is Ted Cruz's car tomorrow. It's just covered in bird shit. And like everyone <laughs> picked the same image by random happenstance of the same Camry with bird you know, shit all over it. You know what's it. so funny? It's like you would think that somebody like Ted Cruz, I mean, Ted Cruz is not very old, right? He's probably only a little older than us, I think. Yeah, he's in his early 50s, I think. Right. And. You know, you would think that someone in that age bracket would understand that there are certain like not to be fucked with people, individuals, you know, like Big Bird. Um, you know, do you remember a few months ago when that video came out with the guy from Blue's Clues? Yes. And everyone missed Steve. It was like the most emotional thing. Most emotional thing. And and really, like, there's just something about children's characters that does that to people. It's something that's so special. Like, you know, I... I uh, performed once with um sonia manzano who played maria on sesame street and it no was like no way oh you can't even right like like that is the biggest celebrity in the world as far as i'm concerned like those kind of celebrities those are the real ones well bob and gordon all of them yeah i mean like those people to me to all of us like they were a big deal and it kind of just doesn't 
look good. When you when you target those type of personalities and celebrities, it just looks cheap and bullish and um and like Ted Cruz should just shut the fuck up. Because even for the people I think that agree with his stance on vaccines, I don't think it makes it I don't I just don't think it's a good look to do it that way. And um and he should just shut up. And that's all. And he should leave Big Bird alone. It's like shitting on Elmo. Like you just don't do that. I mean, although everybody hates Elmo because he wasn't an original Muppet. But shitting on Elmo is different because like it, we didn't like him as a as a character. But right, I'm right. saying I mean, the, as an the American OG icon. Are yes, yes, exactly. Like I like I will not tolerate like anything. Grover, Kermit, like I will not tolerate any kind of, you know, rude speaking. And um and like just stop it. Like this is a public service announcement. And by the way, children's characters have been doing public service announcements for vaccinations for a million years. Yes. This is nothing new. So like just shove it. So if this were Oscar the Grouch, would we have seen the same reaction? Oh my God, it would have been great if it was Oscar the Grouch. Because whatever the I mean, he's getting vaccinated for like he's got probably got everything else too besides COVID. In that trash can so all these years. Oh, God. God. God knows what's brewing in that trash can after 50 years. Either that or he's immune to everything. Yes. He's got everything and he's immune to it. He's got the most antibodies of any Muppet ever. Oh. I, did you see the, the tweet that said, like, oh, my God, if Ted Cruz is pissed about Big Bird, wait until wait till he finds out about Bert and Ernie. <laughs> but, yeah, because SNL parroted that. That was great. Yeah. Like, it's just like, I, I don't know. I just feel like there are certain things that you should just leave alone. And whether or not you agree that everyone should be vaccinated, this is a public service announcement that's being done for purposes of comforting children during a global pandemic. Stop trying to criticize everything just because you're hoping you're going to get retweeted and someone is going to think that you're a badass because of it. Like, Ted Cruz, you're not a badass. No one thinks you're cool. Stop trying. I would never peg Big Bird for a straw man. <laughs> a straw bird. A straw, a straw bird. <laughs> there you go. We're going to do our sir moment next, but I have to tell you, what a stroke of fortuitousness. So last week, uh, we were talking about what we could ask our Sermo doctors, all the millions of doctors that are part of the Sermo platform. And we thought it would be interesting to ask them about telemedicine because telemedicine has become such a big thing during the pandemic. What happened? I'll tell you. Today, we had to use a telemedicine appointment in my house this morning. It was like I knew. Telemedicine's been around for a long time now, but the pandemic forced American culture to adopt it out of necessity. And we found out that, hey, it ain't that bad. And it reminds me of like when eBay and PayPal started in the late 90s. And everyone's like, I ain't giving my credit card to the Internet. And like, <laughs> yeah. and here we are today giving our credit card to our doctors on telemedicine. And, and now we're like, we just walk next to somebody and my watch gives your watch money and everybody's really happy about it. That's it. You could pay through like breathing at this point. Who it's cares? The, but, and, and also everyone is like, oh, I guess I was nervous about that. But honestly, I'm so blinded by the convenience that who the fuck cares if it's nerve wracking? <laughs> I'll just keep less money in my account. Like, it's fine. But um, I, I've covered this topic many, many times, which is that the insurance companies had to be forced to mandate coverage for telehealth during the pandemic. And now that we might be coming out of the cycle, 
the scare tactic, at least, is that they're going to repeal their coverage of this and force people back in real life. And I think that frames what we wanted to know from our Sermo doctors. Exactly. Exactly. So time for our Sir Moment. Sir Moment. No, it was Here terrible. Here we go. Sir Moment. Here we go. By Menon. Sir Moment. Here we go. So we asked doctors, uh, does your practice offer telehealth options? And 77% said yes, 23% said no. That's actually a little less than I thought. I would have thought it was closer to like 90% that offered it. So that's kind of a good amount that don't offer it. Maybe those are doctors that telehealth can't help, like gynecologists. Gynecologists, yes, exactly. <laughs> I'm a crotch doctor. I can't do this over video. <laughs> or like maybe it's like labor and delivery. Like I don't, yeah, it's, I mean, it's certainly possible that. Doctor, it's, am I uh, crowning properly? <laughs> It could be that. Yes. It could be like an eye doctor. They they can't really yes. offer telehealth. Um, so, I mean, that that may be why. Um, and then we asked, you know, same people, will your practice keep telehealth open permanently? And the statistics were similar, right? So I guess this is of the 77% that have it, 72% of those said, yeah, we're going to keep it open permanently. 28% said, no, we're not going to keep it open permanently. Right. And oh. yet, question three. Yeah. Do you have it, patients reliant on telehealth? And like three fourths said yes. Yeah, seventy one percent said yep. We re- but I guess it's almost the same, right? Seventy one percent said yes, we rely on it, and seventy two percent said yes, we're going to keep it open permanently. So it's in line. It's kind of like all the practices that said they have people relying on telehealth are then going to keep it open. But it's that one percent of doctors that are like, ah, fuck these people on telehealth. Which is so sad because I have to tell you, it's. Have you used telehealth? Oh sure, it's it's, it's the greatest a, thing ever. It's a godsend, and again, it is it, a godsend. It's been around for a long time. It's not new, and we're acting like it's new because it was forced upon society. I had no idea that it wasn't new because I never. I, I don't. Maybe my insurance, I guess, didn't cover it. Um, but in the beginning, I don't think it was during the pandemic. I think it was slightly before the pandemic that I got this like card in the mail that said, like, by the way, you have teledoc services. And I was like, I don't even know what that is. And it has been amazing. I mean, I did one time a dermatology appointment. I had some kind of rash or something and I didn't even have to confer with the doctor. I literally took a picture of it, sent it over to the doctor. The doctor was like, oh, I know what this is. Sent a prescription in and I never even spoke to him, but it was totally efficient. He was totally right. He could tell what it was. Um, it was great. Like, I don't know what we did before this. It, it's so convenient. My husband had to use it today. And and it was funny because it's like we forget that we have it as an option because we're still not conditioned to use it. So he woke up and had an ear infection and he was like trying to figure out how to manage his schedule and how to make an emergency appointment. And, and he was like, oh, do I just use, you know, eardrops from one of the kids? And I was like, oh, use the teledoc thing. <laughs> so after like finding 27,000 usernames and passwords, he did the appointment and got the medicine and it was awesome. And then he saw his gynecologist. And then he saw the gynecologist and they were like, sir. <laughs> this is a Wendy's. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll tell you, Laura, uh, telehealth has its pros and cons, and it's very user determinant based on your health literacy and your tech savviness. And honestly, like any other service, it's dependent on the quality of service as well. And that brings us to our fourth Sir Moment question, which is that has working with telehealth been better or worse? And, and I think that's a really important question. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Is it like better, worse or the same? 
So we're at 23% said better, 33% said about the same. So that's majority of people saying, you know, it ain't worse. And then 45% said it's worse. But, you know, I'm the thing is, I'm curious about that. And, you know, these are just surveys that we get these kind of quick answers. But I would love to follow up, like, for if we're talking about a situation where where doctors felt it was worse, um, you know, is that a situation where a patient is looking to go the entire length of treatment using telehealth? Or is it a really effective way to do maybe that first step? And at that point, after we've kind of triaged a little, at that point, does the doctor say, oh, you know what, this is this is too complicated for telehealth. Why don't you come in and have an appointment? Because if that's the case where it's like, listen, some things are fine for telehealth and some things aren't, that that still is an endorsement for telehealth as a concept because it's like, listen, we'll, we'll start there. And if it's not good enough, then we'll bring you in. But well, at least it filters out some stuff. I mean, that was the original dogmatic principle behind it, which is health economics, which is if you can stave off a real live office visit, you save money. And if that basically preempts the need for 50 percent of people to go to the doctor that day and they could solve their problems like like your your skincare issue without right. having to waste gasoline and tolls and tax and time right. and time reimbursements and, and whatever and the whole thing. That's the whole point. There are efficiencies there that may not be applicable across the board. And you know what? One of the things that I think is more on the mind of Americans right now than it has ever been in the past is the idea of people will go to work, will go to school, will socialize while they're ill if it's too much trouble to get treatment or go to a doctor. And, you know, we see now with COVID, because it's so dangerous to be around others if you're symptomatic, that it's like, oh, you have a symptom, now you got to stay home for two weeks. But if you if you had something, you know, other than COVID, that you could have just like dealt with it, got medicine, got it to go away quicker, rather than just like forcing yourself to be near the rest of your workforce or sending your kids to school or whatever. I mean, that that's such an important goal. And I think we're pro- like all a little bit more sensitive to that now, that anything we can do to make sure sick people get their treatment right away should be something we prioritize. And on that note, let's take a break and come back after some ads. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, welcome back. Elora, our third segment is of interest, and I feel like I should find a quill and some parchment and compose an ode. And I, shall, and I shall start that ode with Dear COVID. <laughs> and how are we spelling that, dear? Oh, D-E-E-R, not D-E-A-R. And here's why. <laughs> Fucking <Totally>. dear. <laughs> have COVID around this country. Tell us more. Apparently, there's some evidence that COVID has spread explosively through the white-tailed deer community and that they could potentially transfer COVID to humans. So let's have Ted Cruz start bashing Bambi now. Can I just tell you, this hits home for me in multiple ways. Well, isn't your entire neighborhood just rife with deer? Well, it's actually not my whole neighborhood. It's just my house. So <laughs> so I live, it's not, seriously. So I live on a cul-de-sac and we have a lot of deer in the neighborhood. Everyone gets deer that just like kind of come through their yard on occasion. But for whatever reason, we have about 10 or 12 deer that literally live in my yard. And one of them tried to actually come in my house last year. And when I say live in my yard, I mean noses pressed up against my back door. And they're just like hanging out, like wondering what's going on. We say hello to them every morning. We see them every evening. Like that's their home base, my what? backyard. You know why they're there? Uh, no, I don't. They're waiting for the Uncrustables to show up. <laughs> They're like, this bitch has got some good smucker stuff. <laughs> and I have to tell you, I love them because I know people don't like deer because they eat, you know, stuff out. They eat like, you know, garden stuff. But I don't have a garden. I don't really care. I think they're cute. We love looking at them. We feed them our extra vegetables. And like we have this wonderful little Bambi-esque relationship with the deer in my yard. But we're concerned that now that it jumped to deer, it's going to jump back to humans I guess it's like scary, though, especially because there could be like variants and who knows how it's going to spread. And like, that's a problem. And, and I'm going to just take this minute since we're talking about deer and since we're both from Staten Island, just to ask you, because I, I feel like it's almost full circle. Do you know about the deer situation in Staten Island? Yeah, they kill them on purpose because there's too many because like three swam over the Gothos Bridge or something. Something like 20 years ago, there were six deer in Staten Island. And now there's, I think, 20,000. And it's a real problem because, you know, it's not a rural area. And so th they're not killing the deer, but there was this massive. No, I thought they deer. let them kill a bunch of them on purpose. Whatever that humane way of did. getting rid of them. No, what they did was they had this deer vasectomy project Whoa. in Staten Island. Yes. No, and they they That sterilized. is a LinkedIn profile I want to see. Right. No, but this is what happened. Did you not know this? Because it's the best story ever. Vasectomy so, project? This has been going on since, I think, 2018 or 2019. The venison so, snip? <laughs> they, called, they called it the big snip. No way. I swear to God. So <laughs> hold on. So New York City spent $4.1 million and, and um, got these veterinarians to vasectomize all the deer on Staten Island. The veterinarians were skimming the money off the top. And they were billing themselves $3,000 a day to vasectomize the deer. And go no, it didn't work. The whole project didn't work. There's still like an explosive amount of deer on Staten Island because who the fuck knows if these people actually sterilized the deer or just pocketed the money. God bless Staten Island. It's like the best. It's really like the best situation ever on Staten Island. And I feel like 
Matt, you know, we've talked about our hometown in the past and we've talked about their kind of COVID unsafe ways. And I feel like, wouldn't it just be fitting if all the deer came to Staten Island and just the whole island was overrun with deer-infused COVID? I would rather gather all the deer, put them on some sailing barge and dump them all on Ted Cruz's lawn. (laughs) I like deer. I don't want them to go to Ted Cruz. That's true. That would be unfair (laughs) to the deer. It would be unfair to the deer. But I mean, that whole, just the whole, I don't know. I don't even know how I feel about it. I feel, I'm like, it's sad for the deer. I definitely don't want them to infect people with COVID. It scares me that we could species jump because that feels too much like outbreak. And then I have this like whole other Staten Island thing with the deer. And then there's the deer in my own backyard. And I'm just like extremely conflicted about wait, this. Wait, story. wait, hang on. I- I'm texting Morgan Freeman to save us. <laughs> Yes. Next up, March of the Deer. Yes. Ray Russo. Like, we need Ray Russo back. <laughs> I sort of feel like if any, I, I want to do like an entire docuseries on just deer. <laughs> right. <laughs> Called Oh Deer. Oh Deer. <laughs> and thus concludes my quill and parchment ode to deer COVID. Yes. Did we miss anything? I don't think so. All right. The the pending venison apocalypse is upon us. Forget the robots. Bambi's coming after all of us. The venison apocalypse. Yes. yes. That's a good that's like a really good name for either an album or a bar. <laughs> the venison We're a the band. venison apocalypse. Thanks for coming to CBGs. We'll see you next week. We're the venison apocalypse. Make sure to tip your servers. <laughs> Try the veal literally. <laughs> All right. We're having way too much fun. Listeners, we love you. Thank you for joining us once again for a crazy weekly. What the fuck is going on on Vaxxon with me and Laura? Bye, everybody. See you next time. That's all for now. If you like Vaxxon, be sure to subscribe, leave a review on Apple Podcasts, follow us on social, and tell all your friends to listen. Tell us your shit show of a healthcare story by leaving a message for us at 855-AUDIO-66, and we might just use it in a future show. Vaxon is a product of Offscript Health. We are a healthcare engagement company built for patients and caregivers by patients and caregivers. Our executive producers are Matthew Zachary and Andrew McDowell. Our senior producer is Brianna Seely. Our hosts are Matthew Zachary and Alora Nanos. It is recorded, mixed, and edited by Brianna Seely. For advertising and media inquiries, email media at offscriptnot.com. That's media at offscript.com. For more information, visit offscript.com.